I love this day uh, more than almost any other day um, because I, I believe, and I say this every, every year, um, maybe not more than Christmas, I know, but <laughs> I really, Christmas Day is not really any more special than any other day to me because I celebrate Christmas all the time. <laughs> and so, see? <laughs> um, so, because I believe in the values of Royal Family Kids Camp. The core values of the camp are treat people royally, make moments matter, keep moving forward. And you have heard me say over and over again, that's not just for camp. Uh, if you're a part of Restoration Church, that's what we want to do every day of our lives. Um, that's, I believe, the kingdom message that we should be a part of every single day. So if you're a part of Restoration Church, we've been in this series called The Journey. Um, we are going to pick up the journey again starting next week. We're, we're going to be in part four next week. So if you've got that booklet, uh, if you need another copy, there are some out on the table. Uh, we're going to be in part four of that next week. But today, as we launch this camp, um, I know that uh, we're talking to um, a, group, a room of people that some of you are going to camp, some of you are staying behind, uh, some of you have helped us prepare for camp by doing office work, some of you have browned hamburgers, some of you have washed blankets, uh, some of you have done just things all year long to, to help prepare for camp, and you are a necessary part of what is happening this week. And so um, we cannot do camp without every single person. And so this morning, as you came in, you should have gotten a little baggie with, a, with, some, with something in that. Um, and some of you maybe have been puzzled by that. Oh, man, I have been waiting all week for that. And that's the best response you got for me? Like, come on. <laughs> but I wanted to put something in your hand because you know that a puzzle piece is not just a random thing. Like, you know what you have gotten is a part of a bigger picture. Okay, and so it's actually uh, a picture. Some of you got one piece in there. Some maybe got two. Some got three. Some got four. Some got five. And there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about that as we go. But if we were to take all of the pieces and we were to put it together, this is what we would see. Oh, yeah, isn't that nice? There's a reason I've picked a beach scene. Um, I really wanted a starfish too, um, but I couldn't find one. And so, but this is the picture because at Royal Family Kids Camp, we use the story of the starfish. We've shared it with you before, uh, the story of the one, to illustrate the power, the, the difference that can be made in the life of one camper this week. And so if you've ever heard the story or you know the story, there are starfish that have been washed in by the tide. They're littering the, the beach and a man is walking. He sees a little boy one by one picking up these starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. And as he's doing it, the man thinks, he's, like, it's, you're never going to be able to get all these starfish back in the water. It's so overwhelming. And he asks the boy, why? What are you doing? Like, why? What, what difference are you making? Like, it, it, what, you can't save them all. And the little boy picks up another starfish and throws it in the ocean. And he says, but it matters to that one. And that's the power um, that happens at Royal Family Kids Camp. And so today, I want to talk to you about seeing the bigger picture. Seeing the bigger picture. And this is not something you've probably, have, I mean, you're not going to leave today being like, wow, I've never heard that before. Um, it's probably a reminder of things that you know. But going into camp, especially for our staff, some of the things I think we need to be reminded of 
um, very biblical concept. The Apostle Peter and Paul both often say, I'm writing to you to remind you, to remind you of what you know. Remember what you've heard. Because um, sometimes we forget those things when we're in the throes of life. And so whether you're going to be at camp or you're going to be wherever you are this week, uh, I know that this message will be applicable to where you are because I believe that uh, there are people all throughout our world today that have lost sight of the bigger story. And so I want to start by sharing another story with you that I read recently. It's in a book by Alan Hirsch and Mark Nelson. They wrote a book called Reformation, Reformation, not Reformation, Reformation. It's about seeing God, people, and his mission through a different lens. And in it, they tell this story. It says, the October Revolution is one of the labels given to a socialist revolt in Russia in the year 1917. It was led by Vladimir Lenin and the Bolshevik Party, who overthrew the existing autocratic government in a seizure of state power that contributed to the eventual rise of the Soviet Union. The Bolsheviks took control of multiple government agencies and seized control over the rural areas. In order to suppress any dissension, the security organization known as Cheka was created. This Bolshevik secret police Cheka was given the task of ensuring that the revolution continued accordingly by quashing anything that resembled a rebellion by the workers and the peasants throughout the countryside. Many thousands of Russian people, even estimates as high as 500,000, were arrested, detained, tortured, or executed by Cheka over a three- to four-year period in what has now been labeled Red Terror. This is one of the stories that has been passed down through the years of this horrific time of unspeakable violence. One day, in a small rural village in the shadows of the Oral Mountains, rode a lone horseman who asked to meet with the leaders of the town. Once gathered, he inquired of those in leadership, Do you have many storytellers here in your village? Of course they did. The narratives of history and the culture had to be passed down from generation to generation, and the telling of stories was one of the best ways this was accomplished. They told the stranger how the men would gather in one part of the town, and some of the most accomplished storytellers would command an audience with the tales of village heroes and mighty accomplishments that gave the community a sense of pride and dignity. The leaders described how the children would gather in the very small town square multiple times throughout the week and listen as others told stories and weaved magical tales of hope and meaning and purpose into the fabric of these young lives. Well, the stranger said in response, I want to recognize and give honor to your storytellers and all the storytellers from villages throughout this region. My comrades and I would like to celebrate all the storytellers with a festival just for them. The town leaders loved this idea, and a date and a time was established. Word traveled fast and far as the excitement grew for what would be surely a grand celebration. The day eventually arrived for the festival, and the town was decorated beautifully. Into the town flooded the best of the storytellers for miles and miles. They gathered in the town hall in the center of the town at the appointed time, and they waited for the party to begin. Finally, the man who initiated the whole event arrived at the town hall, along with a few of his associates, who remained near the rear of the hall. Stepping to the front of the crowd, the man proclaimed, Welcome. I am thrilled that you were all able to make it to the celebration today. Today, we want to pay special attention to all of the storytellers throughout this land. We ask simply that you just wait a few more moments for the festivities to begin. At that moment, the man stepped out of a door near the front of the hall. His associates did the same in the back of the hall. 
there was a quiet buzz in the room, an anticipation of what might happen next. After a few moments, the room became eerily quiet. Then suddenly, the sound of horses entering the courtyard surrounding the building could be heard. When the people looked out of the windows, they saw torches being used to set the town hall on fire. Smoke began to seep into the room. As they tried to escape, they realized the doors had been sealed from the outside, evidently by their host. The building burned to the ground, and every storyteller for miles was mercilessly killed. Unbelievably, events similar to this happened in village after village across the countryside of Russia during this time of Red Terror. It seemed as though the Bolsheviks understood a real truth. If you take away... I'll be fine. If you take away a people's story... They no longer know who they are. They lose any sense of value or where they come from or where they're going. Remove a people's story and you can put anything in its place. We need an unreduced and unleashed story to make sense of God, our lives, and the world. The influence of story over our identity, behavior, and calling cannot be underestimated. Our inability to invite people into the definitive story of life by extracting the myth, mystery, and imagination has resulted in a surrendering to the reduction of both truth and story and a failure to comprehend what is really at stake. I believe all over our world today there are people that have lost the story. They have lost their story. I believe all of our campers that have suffered abuse and trauma, as soon as I read this story in a book that I was reading for a totally different reason, this is what I thought of. Because all of the, these, these kids have lost sight of the greater story. Because they've been forced into a situation where they have a puzzle piece in front of them that doesn't fit anything else. They've lost sight of the bigger picture. They, because of a survival mode, have had to adapt to a new story and one that doesn't make a lot of sense. But even for people that have never faced that type of abuse or trauma in their lives, sin has affected us in our world today to the point that we've lost sight of the narrative that God has always been telling throughout the world. Many times when we tell the story of the Bible or the story that God has written in the scriptures for us from Genesis through Revelation, we start in Genesis chapter 3. But can I remind you that the story does not start in Genesis chapter 3. It starts in Genesis chapter 1. With the, the whole purpose and meaning that God created this planet in the first place. That every human being on this planet, even though marred by sin in Genesis chapter 3, is created in the image of Almighty God. That He had a purpose and plan for everything that He created. He is a good Father. And that even though that sin has marred the world, He has put into plan a story of restoration for every single person on this planet that can be reinstated into their hearts and minds by putting faith in Jesus Christ. Christ, and it can alter their reality right now, not just their eternal destiny when they die. That's the story. And that's what we try to put in the hearts of people all week long at camp. And at Restoration Church, that's what we try to put in the hearts of people every single day of our lives. Because of the pain and the suffering and the hopelessness and the despair that people have experienced in their lives, so many have lost identity purpose, and hope. 
Some of you that are coming to camp this week might find yourself in that place. You might be in a season of your life where you have a piece of puzzle that you're walking through, a difficulty, a pain, an unknown situation, and you don't see where that piece fits in the story. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of, of 2 Corinthians that, or 1 Corinthians that we see right now through a glass dimly, and one day we will see and understand fully, and we will see him face to face. But so many times we walk through difficulties that we do not understand, and we've been called to trust that there is a God who is at work, working all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that everything we ever face will be good, but God is working for good no matter what we face. And so in seasons of life, when we have a piece that looks like, I don't know where this fits, we cannot lose sight of the bigger picture that God is writing and has always been writing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, if you were at training yesterday, Kara reminded us of this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's being convinced of what we do not see. So what do we hope for? She told us yesterday at camp this week, we hope for wholeness in the lives of every kiddo that comes to camp. That's what we're hoping for. And we are sure there is a God that is already working for the wholeness of each and every one of those kiddos. We can focus on the trauma. We can focus on the brokenness of the world. I, I, I met with a friend of mine this week, and he had just watched the movie um, Sound of Freedom. And he's like, my question is, why free will? Why did God give us free will knowing this, this unthinkable tragedy would happen? <laughs> There's no answer for that. Okay, And the more you, you fixate on what's broken, the more hopeless and the more despair will fill our hearts. But when we fixate on the fact that there is a God working to put it back together again, then we fixate on the hope that we know is certain. He is fighting for wholeness. And we cannot let the, the, the momentary puzzle piece overwhelm us, whether it's these kids at camp or whether it's your own personal life right now. God is at work. We can be sure of what we hope for. We can be convinced of what we do not see. We can be convinced there's a God at work even when we don't see it. I mean, we sing that song all the time. Even when we don't see it, we know you're working. And yet, when he shows up and in ways beyond our highest expectation, we're always surprised. But he was working all along. And I, I promise you, he's working even in the moments in your life where you feel like that piece doesn't fit anywhere. So I wanted to put a puzzle piece in your hand to remind you, to give you something tangible to remember this week at camp or wherever you are. God is always fighting. He's always at work. And even though things don't always go as we expect, we can trust his plan. We can trust his plan. Now, Trusting his plan sometimes means being okay with when things don't go the way we've expected. I mean, that happens. Like at camp, we train our staff to be prepared. Things are not going to go as you've expected, and you've got to be ready to pivot. You've got to be ready to change. You've got to be ready to go. And we do for a week. It's like we can do anything. But how many of us, when we come back home, remember that sometimes life works out like that? Like sometimes your camper connects better with someone else at camp than they do you, and it, and it hurts because you're like, oh, I've given so much and I've prayed and I've won. But if, if the hope is the wholeness of the camper, 
Are you willing to say, God, whatever it takes? Like, it, if they get whole and I get nothing, I'm okay with that. Because that's what I'm here for. Are we okay with that in our real lives? I don't get credit for it. My spouse doesn't appreciate me. My, my parents don't understand me. My boss doesn't do... I mean, in all of the situations in our lives, are we working for him or are we working for something else? Like, can we trust that he's at work? Because I promise you, the kingdom of God, he's always paying attention. So you and I have to remember that, that sometimes there's a puzzle piece in our lives that we just don't understand. We also have to remember that sometimes we're just one piece of someone else's puzzle. That even though we don't get to see like a lot, why did I put like five pieces in? Because some of you this week at camp, you're going to see a lot happen in the lives of your camper. Some of you have been here multiple years, so you've been working with a camper, and, and your camper is going to hit the ground running this week. And what we're, we have a tendency to do is look at the people that have five pieces and we only have one piece and think we're not doing our, enough or we're not doing our part or what I'm doing doesn't matter because I only have one piece but they have five pieces. And I'm going to tell you, your job is not to bring wholeness. Your job is to just keep showing up. And it's to keep showing up every day of your life. As a, as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse, as a worker, as a member of this community, your job is to just keep showing up. And it's hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. And if it wasn't hard, we wouldn't need the power of the Spirit within us. But praise God, we do. And nothing is impossible. It's not just a song we sing. Nothing is impossible. It's not just a dance move we do. <laughs> nothing is impossible. So today, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Don't worry. Like, that wasn't just the introduction, although it felt like it. <laughs> I promise you, we're going to get out of here because we got to meet back downtown at 1.30, right? So we, we got to get people out of here so they can get ready so we can go to camp. But in Ephesians chapter 3, I want, I want the prayer of the Apostle Paul to resonate over us this week at camp because it's so profound and so powerful. It teaches us so much. Um, but as we go to Ephesians chapter 3, um, you have to understand in Ephesians 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul has brilliantly talked about everything Jesus has done. He's talked about the, the cross, the plan that God has, has done. Some of you, as I read about like the storyteller and the word mystery and all of that, um, maybe that made you a little uncomfortable and you're like, I don't like to refer to the word of God as a story and I don't like that word mystery. Well, the Apostle Paul uses the word mystery often in the book of Ephesians because here's the thing. I'm all for learning about this book and uh, I'm studying it. I do. I I. I present many opportunities for our church people to understand it, the full scripture, not just little bits and pieces here and there that we like to misapply to our lives sometimes. But I want you to know the whole story of God's word so that we apply it correctly to our lives so that we don't um, say, well, God's word isn't true because I faced this problem. Well, if you, knew, if you understand the whole story, um, you, know, you understand that God's at work in mysteries. Like no matter how much you know about him or learn about him or his word, his ways are always a mystery. They always are. And he always surprises us. When you stay faithful, um, the Hebrews believe that the kingdom of God invades a life or an area by three ways. By the finger of God, God has to move. Can I tell you, God has always moved. He's always moving. He moved through Jesus. He's already made a way that the whole world can be reconciled to him. So if, if the kingdom of God is not invading your life or your family or your community, it's not God's fault. 
Okay, he's already done all of this. But what has to happen for the kingdom of God, according to Hebrews, Israelites, is we have to call him Lord. We have to invite him. Like the kingdom can't come where it's not invited. It will not invade your space. You want to be on your own? You want to rebel against God? Have at it. But the moment you declare him Lord, kingdom will come. But you also, number three, have to obey. You can't just call him Lord. You have to make him Lord. Now, obey does not mean you never make a mistake. You always perfectly live out everything God has ever said, and you're, you're, you're perfect. Um, that's just not a, that's not real. That's not possible. It's about setting your heart on a path, on a journey, saying, God, I'm going to walk in your ways. So when something in his word doesn't line up with our lives, we start to make changes to line up with what he says. We don't try to conform this book to our lives. We conform our lives to this book. And we walk that out. When we fail, we confess. We repent. We keep moving forward, if you understand. So that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's talking about the mystery of God, when he's talking about the kingdom coming, what Jesus has done. He, he talks about God breaking down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. And we have no idea what that means. Like, if, if you could imagine like the separation between Democrats and Republicans just disappearing, like that's not even close to the wall between Jew and Gentile okay, in that cultural setting. So we don't understand the impact of that statement fully, but what Paul has said is this is what's happening. And if you've ever read Ephesians 1 and 2, it's brilliant. So much in there. And then he comes to chapter 3, and he starts it with this verse. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. So, for this reason, Ephesians 1 and 2, this. And then, he kind of takes a break. You could actually skip from verse 1 down to verses 13 and 14 and go right into Paul's prayer. Because all of this, from 2 to 12 or 2 to 13, is really just an aside. It's like Paul has has made this statement, and then he's going to go to his prayer, and then this is like a parenthetical statement. But we're going to read it. Verse 2, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul is telling his story. And he's telling how his story fits into God's story and the Ephesian story. It's all about story. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Excuse me. In verse 4, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to his holy apostles and prophets. The mystery. This mystery, verse 6, is that through the gospel, that word gospel, by the way, is just the word good news. Um, It was not a term that was given to just Um, Christian people. That was actually a term from the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. They had a good news of the Roman Empire and a good news. So when they are preaching the good news of the kingdom, you understand why they're being killed for it by the Roman Empire. It's treasonous. Like It's like saying there's a declaration of independence for uh, the kingdom of God. Like People in America would be like, what? Like That's that's crazy. There's only a declaration of independence. There's a constitution. Like, this is the concept that's happening with this word gospel. 
The gospel, the Gentiles, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. What I, what I want you to understand is when Paul is talking about what God has done, it's not a new thing. Like, I know we call this Old Testament, New Testament. Um, those are our terms. This is actually First Testament, Second Testament. God didn't shift His plan in Jesus. God did what He always wanted to do through human beings, and He sent His Son as a human being to show us what He always intended for human beings to do. And that's why Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so I send you. Because He has given us what we need to do what He did, which is what God intended for humans to do since Genesis chapter 1. That's what Paul is saying. So Jews and Gentiles were never supposed to have a, a dividing wall between them. The Jews were actually supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They misinterpreted their covenant, and they actually started to draw walls of separation between them and the Gentiles in a way God never intended. God wanted them to show the nations of the world who He was and bring the nations to Himself through His people. They didn't get it right. So Jesus came as the true Israelite to show them how it was supposed to be done, and then He did it. So Paul, in verse 7, says, So I became a servant of this gospel. Never forget we are servants of this good news. So again, if the story doesn't work out the way I wanted the story to work out, not my will, but yours be done. Because it's your story. And I know ultimately that if I jump into his story, my story will be better than my story without him. I mean, it may right now in the moment be better for me, but I promise you his story for the long haul is far better because he's a God beyond our comprehension. So Paul says, I'm a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, what was supposed to be done through just the nation of Israel, is now being done through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose. See, eternal purpose doesn't just mean what happens after Jesus. His eternal purpose has no beginning and no end. His purpose from Genesis chapter 1 and prior all the way through Revelation is being made known through Jesus Christ and it's been accomplished by Him. In verse 12, in Him, in Jesus, and through faith in Jesus, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Not as a lowly worm. As sons and daughters. Not because of what I've done. I'm the least of all the apostles. But I'm a son of God. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. So I ask you, he says, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. See, sometimes the kingdom comes through suffering. What we don't understand often is that this has been prophesied throughout the entire Scripture. Adam and Eve looked at the fruit in the garden, and it's, they saw that it was better for them. 
So they ate. Eh, it didn't work out so well. They did not trust that God knew better than them. So they substituted their wisdom for his. That's the problem when we don't trust his story. When we begin to substitute our wisdom, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. In Isaiah chapter 53, there's a passage of Scripture that we all know very well. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well because of his wounds. We have been healed. We in our Western culture interpret that verse and we believe that it was written because Jesus was going to die. Like Isaiah wrote it because Jesus was going to die. Now I believe Jesus fulfilled that, like he died as it was written. But I believe Jesus died because that was written. What I mean by that is what God is telling the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 53 as he's prophesying is that my servants have to be willing to suffer. Like sometimes the kingdom comes because you lay your life down for others. That's the character of God. The reason God calls us as humans to lay our lives down for others is because that's who he is. He is God, and yet he gives up his rights and privileges, comes to earth, and lays his life down for us. He makes himself of no reputation. He doesn't care who gets the credit, if you will, and yet God takes him and glorifies him to the highest place. But Jesus had to humble himself to the lowest place. And he did that because that's what God always intended for humans to do. Because that's who he is. Does that make sense? So the, the idea of what is, Paul is saying here is, he's telling this church, it's okay that I'm suffering. Don't be like, oh Paul, we don't want you to suffer for us. He's like, I get it. I'm okay with this. And so, whether you're at camp this week, whether you're wherever you are this week, you might have, there's a cost associated with the kingdom coming. I mean, it's easy to sit in our nice, comfy pews, churches, seats, whatever we have here. We don't even have pews. But it's, it's so easy for us to sit in them and, and be in church on Sunday and be like, oh God, we want your kingdom to come to Huron. But who's willing to pay the price for the kingdom to come? Because there is a huge cost associated with it, more than just spouting things on, on social media to tell the world, Genesis chapter 3, you're all sinners. Genesis chapter 1, you're made in the image of God. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And let me hear your story. Let me tell you my story. And let me tell you his story and how it encompasses both of our stories. That's what we do at camp all week long. And it works magically. <laughs> it's just like, wow, look, it works. There are tr stories of transformation all over the place about how this works. I took a, um, a position at James Valley Christian School, academic advisor. And it dawned on me that even though for like six years, five years, I've preached this message, we got to live this outside of camp. It re I realized as I was teaching a Bible class this year that I don't apply that in my Bible class the way I do at camp. I don't treat students with the same type of, of care, concern, you know, listen first, speak second, like the way I do at camp. And halfway through the year, I'm like, I'm a hypocrite. And so I begin to change. Now, there's a lot of process that needs to change. But what I'm saying is these things have to seep into our lives. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And so because of all of this, he says in verse 14, here's the prayer. For this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. For this reason, Paul says, I pray 
And prayer matters. Pray. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that's not just so that you feel better about yourself. (laughs) Because there are people out there that need to experience the love of God and they're going to do it through you. Because you carry in you the presence and power of God so that everywhere you go, you get to deposit it and people encounter Him because of you. That's what Paul is saying it for. That's why he wants them to be so full of it. (laughs) Full of God's love. And I pray... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Keep moving. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Did you catch that? You will be filled to all of the measure of all the fullness of God just by being rooted in His love. Oh, His love is everything. It changes everything. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This is how much He loved us. He lavished it on us, 1 John 3, 1 says. He doesn't just, you know, doyle out a little bit here. And He doesn't just love. He is love. It's His character. It's His nature. And it's the power of His love. That word know, I want you to know His love, is literally the word experience. Literally. That's the, the, the Greek word is an experiential term. But we get nervous in our Western culture when we translate words like that. Because we're like, oh, we don't want to base it on our experience. No, you don't want to base it on your experience. But this book is overwhelmingly telling us that there is a God of love that wants to show up in your life and show up in the trauma of people you're going to experience every single day of your life. They need to experience His love. It changes them. Let me tell you another story. We had a git, a 15-year-old git. A git is a guide in training at camp. So if you're not 18, you can't like be with a, um, a student paired with them for the week to be their guide. So gits are guides in training because all of you when you turn 18 are coming back. Okay, You're going to be our guides of the future. And he came for, I remember when Christy and I interviewed him, he told us he's an atheist. Okay. Um, but the sweetest, most gentle, um, and he was not a little kid. He was a big guy. Grew up in the foster care system. Had been abused, neglected, trauma, but wanted to come to camp as a kid. Um, neither of us had any problems. Like, after the interview, I'm like, yeah, he can come. It's fine. Um, and so he came. Can I tell you, he served better at camp than probably I ever served at camp. Um, so willing to do anything, so gentle, so kind, just like unbelievable. Atheist. Atheist. He encountered the love of Christ all week long through our staff at camp, watching them interact with students watching them interact with each other, watching them interact with him. So we get to the last night. We do a a party for the kids on the last night. It usually involves a dance. So it's a dance party. And and guess what? We use secular music. 
oh, I know. It's, uh, it's appropriate for children. Like, no drugs, no alcohol, no sex. We take we, appropriate songs as much as you can because, you know, holy cow. So there we are. We're having this dance party. It's, there's glow sticks. It's dark. It's, you know, and I'm just running the music because, you know, I don't dance. And so, like, I'm just in the corner hiding. Well, here he comes to sit beside me. And we're in the dark. We're talking. And he just starts pouring his heart out, sharing abuse story after story after story. Whew. Hard to hear. And just questioning. You know, how does God make that happen? Why does that happen? Where is God? This is why I'm an atheist. Just angry, crying, and I'm just listening. And he gets to the end, and he says, but he's like, I know God's love is real because I've seen it this week. He had had experience with Christians that weren't very good prior to coming to camp. But he's like, every person... He's like, it's so real, I can't deny it. I, I said, you want to commit your life to Christ? He's like, yes. <laughs> With Justin Timberlake singing, can't stop this feeling. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We, we are, he's committing his life to Christ. I'm like, every time I hear that song, whew, it just takes me back. It's so bizarre. <laughs> but here's the thing. I got to be a big chunk of a puzzle that so many other people had a part of. Like, he would have never came to that place where I got to be the piece that fit together if every single person hadn't done their job all week long. It works. It works. And I believe if we just get convinced that this would work in, our, up, in our, our daily lives every day and we would just begin to start applying it, we'd turn the world upside down. I really think we would. And so Paul ends his prayer with this phrase. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, he gets all the glory, but he needs you and I to do our part. And that's all he's looking for, is for people that will just keep showing up. And here's the thing, you're going to get it wrong a lot in daily life, as a parent, as a spouse, as a worker, as a kid. Like It, it is. We're inevitably going to mess this up. We just keep moving forward. We get back up and we keep moving forward. And so today, as we close the service, I'm going to pray the Apostle Paul's prayer over us because it's so profound and it's so powerful. And I want it to seep into your heart. We're going to pray it for staff. We're going to pray it for those of you that are regulars of Restoration Church, for those of you that are not regulars of Restoration Church, but you're in the body of Christ and we love you. For those of you that are here and you're like, I'm a guest and this is weird, but there's the power of, of God's love in this room. Like, this is for you too. And so this is Paul's prayer, and I want to pray it over us as we close today's service. And so, Heavenly Father, you are the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, 
that you would empower us with inner strength through your spirit. I pray this week at camp that you would empower every single camper with inner strength through the power of your spirit so that Christ will make his home in all of our hearts as we trust in him. I pray that all of our roots will grow down into your love and keep us strong. I pray that we would have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep your love is. I pray that we would experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, so that we will all be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, just believe it. This week at camp, I'll be there all week long to tell you to keep showing up. And you might need to remind me every once in a while, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. But when we go home, when you go wherever you go this week, just keep showing up. Believe that God wants to work through you for other people to experience the love of Christ. And we'll change the city. Amen? All right. Well, you guys, man, you're a great audience. So thank you for being here today. In fact, you're not an audience. You are participants bad word. Bad word. I shouldn't have said that. Um, thanks for being here today. Again, I want to encourage you regulars, if you want to stop by the table in the back, all of the information that we talked about earlier, offering baskets are out there as well. If you are a camp staff member, remember we meet downtown at the office location at 1.30 to load the trailer. Do not wear your purple shirt to load the trailer. It will get all sweaty. Um, and we want you to keep it clean because you're going to wear it tomorrow as well. So please be down there at 1.30. One, I lied. Be there at one. So erase everything else I've said from your memory. Be there at one o'clock so that we can be done loading at 1.30. Because we want to be at camp by two. So, all right. Thank you for being here today. Um, God bless you as you go. And uh, we will see some of you at one o'clock.